1: I'm a cultural personality I know your anger I know your dreams I've been thing you want to be Oh, I'm a cultural personality Like Mussolini and Kennedy I'm a cultural personality
2: Hey now, hey now, hey now, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line. I am Andrew McClain, as you know, on this 2019 day of the blizzard the day of the blizzard I am very sympathetic to all you people that really expected snow expected uh, 12 feet of snow I'm sorry that that did not happen but uh, you may get some ice Tonight and tomorrow morning, which is close to the same thing. You know what? I planned on doing for the live stream for this episode since we've got the video going here. I thought about taking all the bread and milk that we bought and setting it up behind me. And so when I went in there to get it, I had the bread, but apparently we didn't get any milk, which is troubling. Thank goodness that the blizzard didn't didn't happen because we had no milk. I didn't realize that. I'm gonna be better prepared next time. Anyway, welcome to the show. First of all, thank all you uh, thanks to all you people that uh, listened to me on 99.5 yesterday. I had a good time. Always glad to uh, go hang on up there when they invite me. It's uh, always fun. But I'm also excited to be back here in the comfort of my little. Cozy, freezing cold studio. It's easier to uh, it's easier to uh, get straight back in the bed after the podcast when I'm here. I'm just kidding. I don't go straight back to bed. But I do cut it close. <laughs> Chance that when I started this podcast, and you understand, and this is why I'm always like 10 or 15 minutes late, because I usually get out of the bed right before the, f- the podcast like no show prep no nothing like <laughs> so i'm always scrambling trying to figure out what's uh what i'm gonna talk about but i think i got it figured out so for the next hour or so we're gonna hang out break down some of these headlines and uh, we're gonna have some fun first of all tell your friends and your family about the show tell them about the the podcast version or this live video share it share it show some love all will Jazz, also OverTheLineShow.com. I think we uh, we are set to, to put the merch store up this week. Now, I won't give a day because I don't, I don't want to miss the mark on that. But what we'll do, if you guys will just keep an eye on your email, uh, we'll be shooting out an email just to simply say, hey, the merch store is open, and if there's uh, some over-the-line swag that you would like to get your hands on, you can go there and do so. We'll have shirts and mugs and tumblers and all that kind of stuff. It's We'll even have some of the old uh, retro The Line shirts on there, if uh, that's something. You know, because we had so many people ask us for those shirts, and we never actually got them for you. We want to give you the opportunity to, to get those on the backside, just to have some sort of souvenir for what once was. So, uh, big show today, a lot of stuff to talk about, and, and really... I don't know how much of it we will talk about, but the big news of the day, and I talked about this on Thursday's podcast. Maybe I was just uh, ahead of everybody. I don't know. Uh, But the Cliff Sims book is the main headline today, And, and mainly that's because starting yesterday, He's doing his media blitz. He's all over TV talking about his book. The mainstream media is eating this thing up because it, they, they feel it sh- shines the president in a bad light. I feel it does. I, I feel it shines the whole administration in a bad light. And, of course, the media is going to latch on to that. Cliff knows that. Everybody knows that. You're stupid if you don't know that. So he's on with Stephanopoulos and, and whatever other show, even... Uh, yesterday, and I had no idea he was on the show until uh, probably 20 minutes ago when I watched it. He was on The View yesterday. Cliff Sims on The View with Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Bayer, Megan McCain, Abby Huntsman. And they are just lapping it up. They love the fact that they've got on their show a former White House staffer. That uh, can spill the beans about what's going on in the White House, and of course, as as they're interviewing him, they're they're flashing images of, uh, and I think it was three total images, of of Cliff standing next to the president or whispering something in his ear, to to add to the effect of, oh, he wasn't just some low-level staffer; he was he was by the president's side every single day, and they were close friends, and he was his closest confidant. It's just... That's funny to me. First of all. Second of all, with that media tour going on, Donald Trump could not help but send out a tweet regarding the new book, Team of Vipers, written by Alabama's own uh, Cliff Sims. Uh, And this tweet... Let me tell you what this tweet says. And it was about an hour ago he sent this out. He said... uh, a low-level staffer that I hardly knew named Cliff Sims wrote yet another boring book based on made up stories and fiction. He pretended to be an insider when in fact he was nothing more than a gopher. He signed a non disclosure agreement. He is he is a mess <laughs> according to Donald Trump. And and I don't know if you guys get a kick out of this as much as I do, but it's just it's so good. And maybe I can just, I don't know. I don't know if I should do this. Everybody in in Birmingham media has been kind of tiptoeing around this stuff and just, and and not because they're trying to hide anything or shy away from any sort of discussions. I I don't know if they've really got anything to say about it, Uh, but my brief, I guess they were brief personal experiences with Cliff Sims. Never never left me with a, oh, that's just a good guy. I'm really glad he's in the Trump administration. It was actually quite the opposite. And and I'll talk a little bit about that as we go along. Also, I'll play you the audio of uh, Cliff on, uh, on, on The View. Uh, it's about a 10-minute clip. I probably won't play the whole thing, but I do want to play a, a good chunk of it because I think you guys will... Uh, will thoroughly enjoy it. What else? Headlines of the day. Paul Manafort's sentencing in Virginia has been postponed indefinitely. That comes from Judge T.S. Ellis. You remember Judge T.S. Ellis. He's the one that chewed out the Mueller team because they um, he felt like he, they were wasting his time with the Paul Manafort stuff. He's like, hey, y'all don't care about this guy. Y'all don't care about him and this guy up. All you're trying to do is get after the president. So why are we wasting our time? Why don't you go? Why don't you spend your time and your resources and your taxpayer dollars going after the president instead of trying to squeeze people for information that obviously has none? If these people had information, listen, it, we're we're about to send them to jail for a really long time. If they had information, they would have given it to us. And they haven't. Uh, so Judge T.S. Ellis, a, a level-headed guy apparently, uh, they've postponed his um, his hearing, I mean, uh, his sentencing indefinitely, and I think that's uh, for that same reason is, is a, a big part of that. We'll find out as we go. Also, Roger Stone's arraignment going on today, I don't know that uh, that's actually happened. I would assume if it hasn't happened just in the last hour, it is about to happen. They usually do those things pretty early, but uh, I'm going to be keeping my eye on that. Also, Chuck Schumer on the Senate floor speaking about stuff and things. I don't really know what he's saying. I mean, we could always check in and just see if anything interesting is being said. It's an emerging industry. It acts rapaciously. It steals. Our law enforcement needs to be especially vigilant with China's telecom companies like Huawei, like ZTE, who intend to displace U.S. communications networks with their own 5G networks, because that, those could give China access to all kinds of sensitive information. US authorities should be prosecuting Huawei's criminal violations to the fullest extent of the law. And I give. Okay, he's just talking about China. 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 Nobody cares. Uh, also, the State of the Union, the invite has been re resent after being. Uh, being taken back after being given Nancy Pelosi being an an Elizabeth Warren giver taking back a gift she gave an invitation she gave that is back on for February the 5th so the state of the union will go down then we will talk about that what that means why did Nancy Pelosi pick the 5th and many more issues with that. What else? Uh, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, looking, looking, looking. Oh, how about CNBC? Is um, They want you to know that kids make you poor. And you really shouldn't have kids. It's just a bad idea. That's right. The same people that are high on abortion and, and really think abortion is just a great thing and they're proud of it. And they shout their abortion, if you will. Um, they're using another tactic, and they're saying, hey, from a financial perspective, you don't need to be having kids. You need to save your money. Kids cost too much. Be doing all that. So we got that. I also want to talk about some border stuff. While the border issue is still big, uh, it will be the, the number one subject when the State of the Union happens, I'm sure, but... Uh, and it is the main reason that the government is reopened for three weeks. February 15th, if we don't come to an agreement and Donald Trump doesn't get a wall, the government will shut down again. This time, if the strategy is correct, the Democrats will be to blame for it this time. We will see. Who knows? So, it's going to be an exciting, uh, exciting podcast today. I'm very excited. You should be excited if you're not excited. Then, um, I can't do nothing for you. You need to, uh, you need to get it together. Get your life together. We got a lot of cool stuff happening. Lots of stuff and lots of things. So, uh, with that, let's see here. I'm trying to, um, hmm. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. I'm having, uh, Oh, I'm having computer problems. I don't know what this stuff's doing. Oh, I think I fixed it. <laughs> we'll just edit that out of the uh, out of the podcast. How's that sound? OverTheLineShow.com com. If you go to the website and you haven't hooked us up on social media, there's a little tab over to the right. It's like a little red strip. You can. uh Put your little mouse on that, and you can click for our Facebook and our Twitter and our Instagrams and all that kind of stuff, and uh, make sure you keep up with us. Also, it's an easy way to get in contact with myself. You can obviously email me, andrew at overthelineshow.com, but if you send messages to the Facebook page, I try to get back with you guys pretty quick as well. Let's get this started on the other side, over the line, Tuesday edition, Snowmageddon 2019. Y'all hang tight.
3: yesterday or the ex-president whatever whoever he said we will not pay for the wall even consider paying for the wall do so- yesterday and they said the president of mexico said they will not under any circumstances pay for the wall they said to me what is your comment i said the wall just got 10 feet higher it's true
2: Show.com. so let's start off with the issue at hand and that is the Clip sims team of vipers media tour as he is all across the airwaves on all the television shows all the mainstream media shows uh i i don't i wish i had a list of the the places he's done appearances at, but I, I don't. I know he's done several. I know he's been on with George Stephanopoulos. Uh, he's been on The View, which I'm about to play you some of that. And uh, a few other places. I don't know if he's going to make the rounds on any of uh, the nighttime shows. I would really love for to, to, to see him go on a show like, I don't know, Tucker Carlson, maybe? You think he might do that? I don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little explaining about it and I've done a little bit of this before I don't know that I've really gone in depth but for the sake of maybe stepping on some toes uh i'm just i'm gonna i'm gonna put it out there i mean technically yeah wait here's the thing when you're at a radio station and you're kind of beholden to to certain people, you know, not hurting certain people's feelings, or you got a GM that tells you what you can and you can't say. I mean, those things happen. For the most part, especially in my time on radio, I was, I was never put in a position where I had to be filtered, but it happens all the time. There's no doubt about it. Um, I would think that there are, there. if I were still where, where I happened to be last time, at uh, the old station, um, I might be a little restricted on what I could say about my former co-worker. I can see that happening, but here we are. We're on the podcast. We're on Over the Line. We're on the show that's owned by Andrew McClain, which means Andrew McClain is Andrew McClain's boss, and I can say whatever I want to, which I will do. I'll let you know my personal opinion on Cliff. But before we do that, I want to play you a little bit of his... Uh, his time on the view yesterday with those lovely um beautiful elegant yentas on the view (laughs) uh so let's start uh let's start there i'll just i'll play it from the top and we'll just go as as long as as we think we need to and uh We'll stop when we want to. Sanity, backstabbing, and bizarre behavior going on behind
1: closed doors. And he lays it all out there in his new book, Team of Vipers. Please welcome Cliff Sims. Thanks. So you spent 500 days, 500 days yeah. in the Trump White House, and you kind of say it's
4: it felt more like Game of Thrones, but with characters from Veep. <laughs> What do you mean? Yeah, so first of all, my main goal here is to have as much fun as the mooch,
1: so I'm starting with that. Uh,
4: But yeah, I mean, it was a lot of kind of the Game of Thrones, backstabbing, all the kind of stuff that you see. It certainly goes on there. I was a part of that. I mean, I write about it in the book. I'm not going to point fingers at other people. I got caught up in that too. Uh, So I'm very honest about myself, the Mm -hmm. things I wish I had done differently and got caught up in all that. But it's things like, you know, I get a call one night about nine o'clock. And it's a friend of mine who works next door in the, the Eisenhower building. He says, I just saw Sean Spicer toting a refrigerator out of here with a cord dangling back behind him. Turns out he had, was in an argument with junior staffers over there over this refrigerator he wanted in his office in the West Wing. Uh-huh. So when I say characters from Veep, <laughs> that's, it. That, that's, kind of, <laughs> that's kind of funny. what I'm talking about. Yeah.
2: So, uh- but listen, if you need a fridge, you need a fridge. Okay? actually i've seen that happen before i'm back at the station uh i saw jessica actually dragging michael hart's mini fridge out of his office into our office so uh, i can actually envision that happening
5: so you know president nixon famously had an enemies list you remember that, <laughs> right, yeah. Um And he, he 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 hated everyone who disagreed with him, who was outside the White House. This guy, according to you,
2: here we are again with the Nixon comparisons. The left and the media love to do this, especially Rachel Maddow. She'll dedicate entire episodes to to uh, retelling the stories of Nixon, and then at the end, for for about thirty seconds after she's told this long story about what happened during the Nixon administration she'll compare some sliver of of what happened that day in the Trump White House to the whole Nixon administration and how he was impeached, drooling over the fact that he can be impeached because there's comparisons there
5: has an enemies list, but his enemies are working for him.
2: Yeah, it's like
4: one of the most (laughs) vivid scenes in the book. And, you know, one of the things I think common misconceptions about Trump, though, is that he doesn't want pushback. He doesn't want people to tell him when he's wrong. I actually found that he he was receptive to that, would rather have aides argue it out in front of him and then he make a decision. Uh, But in that scene... Uh, I come into the private study just off of the Oval Office and he was very frustrated because it wasn't just leaks. It was like, you know, a White House official says, you know, bad things about Trump. So he's talking about him and he says, who are these people? These people are supposed to work for me. And I basically made the case that, you know, a lot of the people that told you to quit during the campaign, a lot of the people that bailed on you then, they're now here in the White House. Ah. And so they're bailing on you here in the White House too. But you know
2: that uh, that seems legitimate. I mean, that makes 100% make sense. And I it, this is another thing I want to clear up. I I'm not coming out and calling Cliff Sim's book just con- total total BS. Complete BS. It's I think there's a lot of a lot of truth to it. I think uh maybe even uh, a majority of it's truthful. More than 50%. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to read the book. I'm hoping I can read the book and then take it back and get my money back. I just don't want to contribute to that uh tomfoolery. But um I think a lot of it is um uh, I think a lot of it's going to be conjured up as well. Anyway,
4: when I walked out of that and I didn't lie about anyone, I gave my honest opinion to the president, but that was one of those moments where I realized when we're talking about a team of vipers, I was playing that game too. You are. I'm sitting there with the president mm-hmm. of the United States, making, making this, this list, list about my colleague.
2: Here's what, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but Cliff sim saying, or uh, portraying or uh, acting as if playing that game was something new. That. <laughs> That's not the case (laughs) because it's been playing that game for a minute.
4: You know
5: what? That's not right either. Mm. But and is there so, anyone on the list that we should know about right now? What? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Joy, you and I are number one and two. Yeah. It's fine.
0: Well, we yeah. know we're on it. Uh-huh. No, people no that, doubt. I said, start, let's start we've... with Joy. But right now let's talk
5: about yeah. Yeah. Well, you talk about a lot of people in this book uh, from within the White House. But a person that you really don't like is Kellyanne Conway. You described well, her I'm... as... Uh, well, it, it appears that way. Yeah. You describe her as the American sniper of West Wing marksmen. You say she's a yeah. cartoon villain brought to life. You've been right about catching her leaking to at least half a dozen reporters on one occasion. Question: I have though she's still she's one of the only non-family members that's sure. still by his yeah. side. You were fired, so I wasn't why is he quit? All, you, yeah, okay, I you quit. Resigned, um, she's uh, still there though.
2: Yeah, I wasn't fired. I resigned. Oh. <laughs> I assume, and I haven't listened this far into this, so I'm hearing that for the first time. Um, I wonder if he's going to tell them about the whole football thing where um, he got a football signed and said it was for K. Ivey. Got a football signed by Nick Saban and then got in trouble because it never went to Kay Ivey and it shows that he, uh, he lied. And he didn't get permission to get the football signed. At least that's what we heard. Anyway.
4: She is. I'd say one thing that will never go out of style in Trump world is someone with thick skin who's tough, is willing to go on TV and defend the president. Mm-hmm. I give Kellyanne all the props in the world for being that tough and be able to go in and, you know, take people on the way that she does. I was offended that day because I was called to her office to help her write a statement responding to accusations mm-hmm. that she would off the air say bad things about Donald Trump. So I'm sitting on her laptop writing this statement and her iMessages are synced. And so I can see as she sits at her desk texting, I can see what she's saying. And she's doing exactly what I'm supposed to be writing a statement defending her about. and, and so she's wow. leaking as you are typing? As I'm typing. Uh, doing it so and wait, listen she, look the great but, lesson of all of this may be that no good thing ever comes from your eye messages being synced yeah like there's never an accidentally good thing that happens yeah, nothing but do you think yeah. that
5: at the end of the day she and her husband actually agree
4: I don't know that is the great you know kind of the rumor that goes oh. around in DC is that it's like they're in cahoots together yeah. it's a big kind of charade I don't know if that's true or not but you know she responded to that and she said you know leakers get better pressed than I do
5: uh, she did she actually and, gave a legal note I need to read and Response to sure to the book and all. She said the real leakers, past and present, get much more positive press than I do. While it's where I prefer to knife people from the front so they see it coming. And I, I gotta say, I'm not a spokesperson for the.
2: Okay, <laughs> now let's uh, let's just analyze that real quick. Kellyanne Conway, according to Cliff Sims, is one of the major leakers in the White House. Administration. Okay. One of the major leakers. He watched it firsthand. He watched it. So that would mean Kellyanne Conway has a very good relationship with reporters. Reporters uh, will bend over backwards to uh, accommodate people that leak to them because that's all they want every every reporter in dc their world revolves around getting behind the scenes information uh from the trump administration they want to know what's going on in that white house because if they can get their hands on that then it's going to be a top story it's going to be the top story for for the rest of the day for days weeks depending on what the what the info is so kelly and conway is a prominent leaker, which means the press is going to love her. Love her. But when Kellyanne Conway speaks to the press, she is treated possibly more poorly than Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So that would be a pretty, um, how should I put this? That would be a very well constructed charade on behalf of of Kellyanne Conway and the media, for her to be one of their primary leakers, yet for them to show up and treat her so poorly to the point that she's had to curse at Jim Acosta and take shots at him. So I, I'm finding it hard to believe. And you've heard Jeff Poor from uh, from Breitbart. He He's talked. He knows Kellyanne Conway, and he's talked about her on this show. And he says she was, he didn't really comment on her character, but he said if, if you ever needed uh, a statement or any kind of comment from her regarding the White House or anything else, she was more than happy to do it. So she is the type of person that will talk to the media at any given time. That also would would be a a pro for Kelly and Conway. That would give her credit, street cred, in uh, in the media from reporters. The fact that she'll talk to them whenever. So you take those two things: the fact that she's super available, and the fact that she's leaking information that reporters are literally drooling over. Yet they continue to treat her so poorly doesn't make much sense to me but hey maybe that's just me
5: need to read in response to sure to the book and all she said the real leakers past and present get much more positive press than i do while it's where i prefer to knife people from the front so they see it coming and i i gotta say i'm not a spokesperson for the white house but i was getting a couple calls this weekend sure. from people within yeah. the white house who said very different things about you than the way you described yourself right. saying right. for one that you were one of the leakers and that when you left the white house yeah. the, some of the leaking stopped and that you were disloyal how would you
4: respond yeah well i would say that it reminds me of of eminem in eight mile i know that's a random comparison if you remember the great battle rap scene eminem starts it off by saying i'm going to tell you every bad thing you're going to say about myself Mm -hmm. i was truthful about myself in this book Mm -hmm. and the things that i wish i had done differently did
2: you i think that may have been the widest thing i've heard in 2019 well let me make a comparison here um You remember the smash hit, Eight Mile, starring Eminem? Yes, what a great movie. The White House was a lot like Eight Mile. And I'm the Slim Shady of the White House. (laughs) Cliff is so white. Leak?
4: No, no. I talk about everything in here that I feel like I should have done differently, and that's not one of them. The book Uh, is the leak. A lot of things. Yeah, I'll put my name on it.
2: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, let me rewind this. I think he just said that he is uh, he he didn't leak himself yet. He's there talking about a book leaking all the information. Hold on, I want to make sure that I heard that correctly. Let's go back. Uh, okay. That's
5: the White House, yeah. some of the leaking stopped. Then that you were disloyal. Oh. How would you respond? Yeah, to that?
2: well, I would say that it
4: reminds me of of Eminem in Eight Mile. I
2: know that's okay. That's that again. So basically, he said, Abby Huntsman says a lot of people saying, and you know who the first people to say that was? I won't, I won't put any names out there, but it was me and a group of coworkers that said once he left the White House, all of a sudden the leaking slowed down dramatically. Okay, so as Cliff Sims is on the View talking about a book that entails all this behind-the-scenes stuff that's not necessarily meant for public consumption. <laughs> she asked him if he's a leaker, and he goes, No, uh, I've got integrity. I'm not a leaker. Um, I mean, this book's got a lot of leaks in it, but I'm no leaker. I don't leak to the media for free. I do it for money in a book absolutely amazing anyway that's Cliff Sims on the view from yesterday apparently he was on Stephen Colbert last night I I just saw that uh, he posted a picture of him on Colbert and I'm actually interested in uh hearing that maybe if I can find if I can find the uh the video for that I'll try during the break maybe we can play some of that I don't know how long it is I, I don't want to spend the whole podcast playing you guys audio but but this this amazes me it amazes me now i i just want to give you my my personal experience with uh one cliff sims and and i want i want to put this out there as well there's people that are very close to cliff that i think very highly of so i don't want i don't want the reflection uh I, i don't want me Bashing Cliff Sims to be a reflection on my relationship with anybody else that has a strong connection to him, because I again I think highly of those people. This is just strictly I'm I'm talk I'm I'm conservative media. This is in the news, so I got to talk about it. And if if you know I got if my feelings get put out there and some people don't like them, so what? I got to do it. I don't have a choice. But in my short stint working with one author, former White House staffer, and former Radio show host and multimedia company owner Cliff Sims. Um, I never had any any pleasant experiences, not once. Now, if you go back to the days of old, I, I start at um, what was Superstation One Hundred One WYDE, which is now dead. They literally buried the call letters. They don't exist anymore. Um, when I started working there on July 5th of 2009, uh, 2016, started July 5th, or that was the first show. I was there like a day or two before. July 5th, 2016. For those first few months that I worked there, Cliff was the host of Yellow Hammer radio and that show came on right after me right after right after the line so as we would exit the studio each day Cliff would would pass us and come in Scott Beeson by the way on that show as well uh, so he could he could give you some insight on that I'm sure but uh, I don't know if he wants to speak on it or not um, I pass him every single day. Coming in and out of the studio. And then later on, maybe in the hallway, whatever. On several occasions, I would say, hey, man, what's up? Or, you know, just modern pleasantries you would exchange in the hallway. And almost every time, when you give a, hey, what's up, man, how you doing? I would get zilch. And I know that's petty. But it says a lot about somebody's personality. Every other characteristic that was portrayed in uh, our stint working together showed a person that was really in love with themselves And not in a good, inspiring, love-yourself meme kind of way. Like a conceited, narcissistic, I'm better than you kind of way. There's several instances I could talk about that really neither here nor there that solidify that personality type of, uh, of this guy. So you can imagine that that attitude did not change when he was called to the big leagues. He worked on that radio show and owned the Yellowhammer News Company for a while, and then he... Stopped really showing up there as the the uh, the presidential campaign was was going on, and then eventually he just one day left, and it was left with Scott Beeson to do what he's going to do. Uh, well, I take that back. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think Cliff fired Scott Beeson from the show. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be talking about this. I think he canned Scott Beeson from the show because uh he didn't like uh, the competition or something and then scott beeson the fantastic broadcaster that he is came back with his own show it was uh the only it, it was it was a smart move because beeson doesn't need to be second fiddle to anybody he can handle his own and he put on a fantastic show so he comes back around does his own show Uh, They end up passing the Yellowhammer show off to a couple of other people. You remember Scott Chambers and Andrea Tice. They did a fantastic show. Um, And then the rest is not related to whatever. Cliff ends up selling the company because he can't have it and be working in the White House. Legend has it that Cliff and his Montgomery ties, that's what got him to the White House, whether that be Jeff Sessions or whoever else. I'm not going to name names, because I don't have any uh, physical evidence to back that up to show you guys. I just know what I know. Um, But the funniest part of this, and the most telling part of this, which really makes this entire thing come full circle, is when Cliff was on the radio... A lot of you guys may remember this. When he was on the radio and the campaign was going and Donald Trump was in there with 16, 17 other candidates and knocking them out one by one, Cliff Sims despised Donald Trump. He despised Donald Trump and he was adamant about the fact that there is no way on God's green earth Donald Trump would ever, ever, ever become president if there was anybody at that station that despised Donald Trump, and I don't mean didn't like him, didn't think he was going to win, I mean despised Donald Trump, it was Cliff Sims. And he stuck with that all the way to the end. All the way to the point of, I guess, receiving a phone call and saying, hey, do you want to work in the White House? Then all of a sudden, That hatred for Donald Trump flips right around, and you have one maggot-out Cliff Sims. That's the story. I'm not surprised by anything he's, uh, he's doing here. For those of you that knew Cliff Sims before he went to the White House, this right here is just Cliff Sims returning to his roots. And throwing to the side the facade of being a part of the make America great again agenda. It was all contrived the whole time. Which makes it that much more likely that he's the leaker. And if you're the leaker, what do you want to do? You want to point the finger at somebody else and say, no, they're the leaker. Which is exactly what's happening here. I'm no Sherlock Holmes, I'm no private eye, no investigator. I can put the pieces together sometimes and try to figure out what's going on. But this one, coming from my perspective and, and my experiences, um, this one is a, it's a pretty open and shut case. If I find that Stephen Colbert audio from last night, I may throw it at you guys. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It is OverTheLineShow.com. Over if you guys want to uh, make sure you go to the website, sign up for the newsletter, get hooked up with us on social media, and all of that jazz. We'd love to uh, have you as part of the family. You can get in touch with me and uh, ask me any questions, what my favorite color is, or things like that. Also, the merch store. Should be going up this week. Very excited about that. We'll send you guys an email once that is live on the website. And uh, you can do yourself some shopping. You remember a time where we were, like, so excited we were going to get the merch shop up before Christmas so you guys could give Christmas gifts? And now here we are. It's almost February, and we still have it up. Most of that's my fault, though. It's hard keeping up with this stuff. All right, over the line. We'll be back right after this. Y'all hang, tight.
3: will build a great, great wall on our southern border and I will have Mexico paid. just got 10 feet taller. here and we're going to get them out.
2: with you over the line over the line show.com manager thank you for hanging out with us today or whatever day it is you are listening don't forget you can listen to the podcast this show uh, any past episode future shows when they're posted on any of your favorite podcast platforms That's uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Anchor, uh, Radio Public, which I'm not real sure what that is or if it's any good, but there's uh, several platforms out there. There's also a way to donate to the show if you want to contribute any monetary donations. Uh, I think each of the podcasts have a link. On them, where you can click on it and do that if it's something you want to do. I ain't going to hate you if you don't do it. I actually don't even like to push it. But this thing, uh, this, this operation's got expenses, so any help we can get, we'll take it for sure. Uh, I found the clip of Stephen Colbert, and this was last night. And, and the reason I, I found out he was on there, he posted a, a picture of it. Oh, and also, by the way, I just got a message from my girlfriend. Apparently, she bought me the uh, audiobook of Team of Vipers, which was released today. And uh, she's like, here you go. Now you can can listen to it while you drive, which I'm actually really excited about. I'm going to listen to it today, so maybe I'll have some more insight on what's in the book. So uh, to my girlfriend, thank you so much. I'm actually going to type that out to her right now. Thank you so much, babe. That was very sweet. <laughs> I'm literally typing that out. Uh, Yeah, see, I got it made. I got it made uh, with a good woman in my life. All right. Uh, you want to hear a little bit of this from last night, this uh, Stephen Colbert stuff? I'll play it again. I haven't listened to it because I just found out that he was on there. I'll just play uh, just a couple minutes of it and and see what happened. Cliff Sims on the Late Show or the Late Late Show or whatever that show is called. I can't I can't remember. Stephen Colbert, the Colbert Colbert Report. Hey
0: everybody, welcome back to the show. My first guest tonight is a former Trump aide whose new book, Team of Vipers, has been making headlines all month. Please welcome to the Late Show, Cliff Sims. show thanks for having me congratulations on your is this your first book first book first yeah. book
4: first and only probably
0: uh no 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 we'll uh, see there you go here it is it's a team of vipers um that is um that's a hell of a title <laughs> you know it's a little bit of play on team of rivals about yep. uh lincoln's Lincoln. cabinet that's right what makes the people around donald trump the most
2: can i just say something and, and I'm, I'm thinking about this as i'm i'm watching him you know Cliff Sims used to be in a boy band. <laughs> I'm not even lying about that. Maybe we can talk about that later.
0: Um Viperous.
4: It's a good question. It's an interesting interesting mix. There's no doubt about that. I think what happened is you had uh, a lot of people thrust together who came in there and kind of had their own best interest in mind. Rather than the Um, interest of the
0: nation or rather than the interest of the president?
4: Well, I I think as a staffer, you you like to think that those things are congruent, right? That I'm going to serve my nation by serving my president. Mm -hmm. I think you had a lot of people in the White House who came in. Sometimes I was one of them who got wrapped up in the game. You know, what happens when you have proximity to power? Uh, when you have access to the most powerful person on the planet, trying to game uh,
0: each other to get totally. closer to there yeah, and, and absolutely. freeze other people out. Yeah, so
4: that's kind of what I wanted to. to so are illustrate. you one of the vipers? Hundred percent. I mean.
0: <laughs> So this, I, is a, this, is a, this is a confession yeah. as much as it is an accusation. I mean that seriously, because yeah. sometimes books can be, is it a confession as much as it is an accusation? Well,
2: I think what it is... Confession means leak, by the way.
4: Is, is if I'm going to tell the truth, if I'm going to be honest about everybody there, from the president to the staff and everybody else... And that's a big got if in be, that administration. <laughs> I've got to be willing to be honest about myself, too. Okay. And so I spent a lot of time in this book talking about things I wish I would have done differently. What's
0: the most damning thing you say about yourself before we get to these Uh, other beautiful laundry uh, lists you've got here? Right here
4: in front of the nation. Well, right here uh, in the book. How about that? What is it? Ruthless. I was a coward. I was self-serving. Where was your cowardice? Just that, that sometimes I didn't speak up when I felt like, you know what? I disagree with this. I wish we were doing something a little bit different here or there. There were a lot of times that I didn't do that. And I would also say that my biggest regret of all was that I was not always a picture of my faith to the people that I was around.
0: Because you're a committed Christian. I am. Yeah. Well, um, let's talk about some of the things you talk about in here. Let's, let's, let's start small, okay? okay? What was your
4: official role in the White House? I was director of message strategy, which essentially is-
2: uh, Director, assistant of, uh, assistant director of Gopher. According to Donald Trump.
4: Creating the talking points and messaging that comes out of the White House uh, on anything from probably the best example would be tax reform. Mm-hmm. So how are we gonna go out and sell the, the president's tax reform plan to the nation? Mm-hmm. I was kind of a part of leading the team that, that that did that.
0: Were you part of the team that said it'll pay for itself within a year? Because <laughs> that's what we were told, and that of course is uh, not
4: uh, what's the word, I, true. I, I, <laughs> Were you on that? that I will say, I, I don't remember that being a part of the official talking point.
0: Okay, I'll really? <laughs> uh, okay, the president reports that he reportedly is hopping mad about your book and that he feels duped. Did you dupe the president of the United States? You worked for him for 500 days. Mm-hmm. When did you start writing this book? Uh, How long before you quit <laughs> did you start writing
4: this book? I didn't start writing it until a couple of months after I left.
0: Uh-huh. And fast writing, buddy.
4: I did. I wrote He's it. He's only about, been
0: in there for 738 days.
4: Yep. And I wrote it in about two months. Uh, really? Yeah, two months. And I just sat down, and really, it was kind of a cathartic experience because I wanted to not only tell the truth about, you know, here's here's just an honest assessment about what's going on in there. I'm not trying to convince you to be for him, against it. I give you the facts. You decide for yourself. Um, so, you know, it was also I wanted to kind of come to terms with what that period of my life meant for me. And so it was a really cathartic experience and my wife will tell you I sat on the couch for two solid months didn't do anything else and just wrote all day every day and What do you think there-
2: this book is about him coming to terms with with what he did the the um, the horrible things that he was forced to do that he's ashamed of now It's not about money it's not about you know uh, a a publisher coming to him and saying hey we'll give you uh We'll give you seven figures up front if you'll write a book that's uh, talking bad about the president. <laughs> it wasn't about that part. It was about coming to terms
0: with himself. This, this, that, that period of your life, those 500 days have meant for the nation. I mean, not that you aren't important, but <laughs> but there are, three, there, there, are me, 300, here there are 325 million of yous out there yeah. who are affected by this man having been elected, mm-hmm. something that you were in favor of. Are you still on the Trump train?
4: Well, I think what I, I'm kind of at this point not being in there anymore. I have the luxury of saying, when he's doing things that I support, I'm able to be for it. And when he does things that, he, that I don't, then I'm able to be against it. And that's, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to be on the outside and not have to defend every mm-hmm. single thing. But in terms of what it means for the nation, I, I could say it's probably mixed. I mean, I do think that the economic growth that we have seen is great. I do think that he deserves credit for pulling us out of some of these foreign engagements that president after president had, had promised to do and we just hadn't. So he's really trying to keep his promises. I think that's something genuine. Though he hasn't actually done any of them yet. He's
0: announced it without consulting the Pentagon.
4: Well, oh, rolling, rolling back rolling he
0: back. Yeah. He's talking a very good game. Yeah. and and alarming some of the people around him. People like General Mattis quit because of the way he announced Mm -hmm. that. Do you think that's still a good way for him to have done it? Do you think that was leadership?
4: What's that? The The
0: announcement over Syria, let's say, the way that was handled.
4: Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that really frustrated me about the time that I was there is he's been talking about this Syria thing for months and months and months and wanting to do it and wanting to do it and giving directives to do it and directives to do it. And and he's surrounded by some people, even at the highest levels, who make it their mission, it seems to me, to slow walk everything that he's doing to to kind of subvert what he's doing. And some people that don't agree with him would say, well, thank God they're in there. I would say to that, what kind of precedent does it set if somehow it's now patriotic to undermine the duly elected president of the United States that you serve? Mm -hmm. And so as a staffer, you mentioned Mattis. You know, I think it's honorable the way that, that... Jim Mattis quit. And I say that because if you disagree with the guy, you always have an option you either get on board once he makes a decision and you try to implement what he does right. or you quit. Do You think more so, people should do that? Like Kellyanne
0: Conway, you write about her, you describe her as, you say you caught her leaking, that she was a big leaker, yeah. Trump thought she was a big leaker, she had to write something to say, I'm not a big leaker, and what did you catch her doing?
4: Yeah, so she calls me upstairs uh, to write a response to uh, uh, some some show hosts who were saying that off air she was trashing the president. So one, wanted me to come up and help her craft a response to that. Well, I'm sitting on her laptop, her Apple laptop in her office, trying to type this up. And she forgets that she's sitting at her desk typing on her iPhone, which is synced to her computer. (laughs) Not good, Stephen. Not good. And it's a great lesson for everyone. Nothing accidentally good ever happens from synced iMessages. I will say that. Sure. And, uh, and I'm watching her talk to reporter after reporter and trash her colleagues and, and even not painting the president in a very favorable light. And basically, I'm supposed to be writing a statement defending her against exactly what she's doing in that very
0: moment. Why yeah. won't he fire her? Why won't he trash her publicly? It makes no sense to me. He'll attack anyone.
4: Well, Why not her? One of the things I try to do in this book is help people understand what makes Donald Trump tick. And one of the things that I think is true about Kellyanne and, and, and others is one thing that never goes out of style in the Trump White House is someone who's willing to go out on TV and just fight it out with somebody. Mm-hmm. And he knows that she's a reliable, you know, she will go out there in, on any show and defend him. And like I said, that never goes out of style. So I think that's why she... So private here's loyalty the thing. doesn't matter, but public loyalty...
2: That's enough of that. Here's the thing. No matter what the author of this book says about the intentions or uh, what the book really accomplishes, all you have to do is look at his stops on his media tour and ask yourself, are those places that people normally go when they're writing a fair assessment of the Trump administration? The Colbert Show, The View, Uh, George Stephanopoulos on ABC. Morning Joe, I'm sure, is next. He may have been on Morning Joe this morning. I don't know. You know it's coming. Are those the places that uh, people go to promote their fair assessment of the president? No, not really. You don't go to the fake news media to talk about your book when you have a book that's just straight up honest about what's going on. Again, I want to <laughs> I want to reiterate and this was just I woke up and saw this and and it made me so happy. So happy to see this. Donald Trump's tweet about the book. A low-level staffer that I hardly knew named Cliff Sims wrote yet another boring book based on made-up stories and fiction. He pretended to be an insider when, in fact, he was nothing more than a gopher. He signed a nondisclosure agreement. He is a mess. Now, uh, another interesting aspect to this is the the NDA, the nondisclosure agreement. I I don't know that there's anything that could be done about it, but when I think about it, Trump has already been burnt on NDAs numerous times, well before he was in office. But after he was in office, you look at Stormy Daniels, uh, you look at the other, uh, whatever her name was, the, yeah, uh, the the dark headed Playboy bunny chick. I can't remember, can't remember her name. Uh, she had an NDA as well, and all these people went on to to tell their stories. And some of them got burnt. At least Stormy Daniels and Michael Avenatti got burnt. They ended up losing not only their lawsuit, but now they owe a bunch of money to the president. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see if the the president goes after Cliff Sims. Again, I, I can't stress enough, uh, just from personal experience, knowing how much this guy was against Donald Trump in the beginning, only to change his tune once he was called to the administration um, via politicians he was well-connected with in Alabama, and then only to trash the president on the backside. And he's trying to save face. He's coming out and he's trying to save faces. I'm not trying to say anything bad about the president. I'm not trying to make people support him or not support him or whatever. I'm just being honest. If anything, this was just a major example of being a sellout, because you talk about the loyalty that's important, how you need to uh, y- you need to work with the president that you serve, this, that, and the other, and um, how important loyalty is. And then you come out and you do this. You sell out for, I don't know, a couple million dollars, whatever the number is. I haven't seen the number. It's just so blatantly obvious what's going on here. And here's the thing. The reason he's not just coming out and saying, yeah, Donald Trump's a mess, the administration's a mess. He's doing it in very subtle terms because he's still trying to hang on. To I don't know if I should call it support, but trying to maintain a friendly relationship with the people of Alabama. Because he knows if, if he comes out and he just bashes Trump like he so badly wants to in these media appearances, that it's going to derail his future plans. And these are coming from sources that, that I talk with. Uh, that, uh, that they talk with me. I don't know a lot of important people, but the people I do talk to, they've, they've got some inside information. And really, even if I hadn't heard this, this would be a pretty educated guess on my part. Cliff Sims wants to come back to the state of Alabama and run for some sort of office, have, whether that be the Senate or uh, a seat in the House or uh, Whatever. And he don't. He doesn't. I don't think he wants to run on a state level. I, I think he wants to be in Congress. I think he wants to be in the House or the Senate. So he's trying to tiptoe around what this book actually means so he can then come back to the state of Alabama and run for some office. Maybe in his mind that this book helps him because look at all the exposure he's getting. The name recognition that he's, he's building up by the day. By going on all these shows. So when he comes back to Alabama and he runs for office. People say, oh yeah, yeah, I know that name. Cliff Sims. He used to be on the radio. He used to work for Trump. Must be a good guy. Not thinking about the book that he wrote. But you just watch. Sit back and watch. And it will not be long before Cliff Sims is on your ballot. When you go to the polling place. When that day finally comes and you see Clifford Sims on your ballot, you may want to vote for him. You may not want to vote for him. But if you do, I urge you to remember these past couple of days. Remember this book. And I'll have a, a, a better assessment about what's in the book as I listen to the uh, the audiobook today that my girlfriend lovingly purchased for me about 30 minutes ago. I'll have a better assessment of, of what it's about. And, and again, I may be totally off base because I've only got a handful of excerpts to go off of regarding my judgment of this book. But we'll see. One thing I am confident about, though, is you'll see him running for office here in the state of Alabama. We're about to get out of here, but let me throw a couple more things at you before we go. Um, Again, the Paul Manafort sentencing in Virginia has been postponed indefinitely. Uh, We'll keep you updated on what's going on there. Also, Roger Stone's arraignment going on. Uh, Any update we have, we'll probably be talking to you about that tomorrow. Uh, Something that's not getting a lot of play that you may have seen already, Donald Trump's latest donation of his quarterly salary, which is $100,000 every quarter. A president gets paid $400,000 a year. Donald Trump doesn't need that money, obviously, but uh, the the symbolic gesture that is there when he takes that quarterly uh, earnings each time and donates them to a cause that is either close to him or benefits the American people, uh, I think it's a pretty solid move. This time, and I think this was his third quarter salary of 2018, he has donated it to the federal agency that researches alcoholism. Uh, if you know the story of Donald Trump, his brother died uh, from battling alcoholism, so it's a... It's a, it's an issue that's close to his heart. It's also a driving factor in why he doesn't drink or anything like that, so... Uh, Donald Trump, I I see an excerpt here where he joked with reporters last year. He says, I can honestly say I've never had a beer in my life. Can you imagine if I had, what a mess I'd be. I'd be the world's worst. (laughs) I remember that. That was actually funny. So uh, that's out there. That's important to uh, keep in mind. And uh, what else we got going on? Oh. Trump is going to be delivering the State of the Union speech address on February 5th. Nancy Pelosi has formally invited him again to give that speech in the House of Representatives. February 5th, which is approximately 10 days before the next government shutdown, if these two sides don't come to an agreement, Nancy Pelosi did that on purpose. That is very strategic. She wants him to give that speech on February 5th, so then she's got a 10-day window. She will play ball and she will pretend like she's going to come up with a compromise so Donald Trump doesn't get up on stage at the podium on February 5th and absolutely rip her to shreds. She'll pretend that she's going to come to a compromise only to meet February 15th with no deal. No deal, no wall money, no nothing. And the government will be shut down yet again. The last thing she wants is Donald Trump giving the State of the Union speech after the government shuts down because Democrats refuse to compromise. That's what happened last time. That's why she doesn't want to do it again this time. Go ahead and get it out of the way so they don't have to deal with it. Democrats are going to have to fold at some point. They wasted billions of dollars in money being pumped into the economy, in productivity by the federal government, whatever, billions of dollars during that 30 plus day government shutdown. And the government was shut down over one thing and that was 5.7 billion dollars. 5.7 billion dollars. And the cost, the cost it cost us, the American taxpayer, the, the money being pumped into the economy, that figure was tenfold what the Democrats were concerned with, with $5.7 billion. This this wall for the Democrats means one thing and one thing only. Yes, you can throw out the, the stat that it cuts down on illegal immigration, and, and Democrats don't want that to happen because they view illegal immigrants as future voters, even though a small percentage of those illegal immigrants come in and rape and murder people. The risk versus the reward is worth it for Democrats. They're okay with a few people getting raped or killed as long as they can have lots more votes to get themselves back in power. That's a a, a reason. That's one reason they don't want the wall. But the main reason they do not want this wall is because... There will forever be a monument on the southern border, a reminder that Trump was your president. They will always be reminded that Trump was, in fact, your president. And every time they see that wall, they will be reminded of it. They back themselves in the corner because every time the media or the Democrats talk about the wall, they say Trump's wall. They say his wall. So it belongs to him. And it's going to be a monument, a tribute to Donald Trump in their eyes. When for most of us we just we want the wall, we don't care who puts it up. We don't care if Trump's name's on it. You can spray paint Obama on the side of it, whatever. We just want the wall. But Democrats view this as something that they will have to deal with forever. It's the equivalent for them, it's the equivalent of putting Trump's face on Mount Rushmore. That's why they're against it at this point. It's not about the money. It's about Trump winning and having that material that 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 that, uh, mater- that that actual physical thing there to remind them that Donald Trump was their president with no regard for the life of people, the safety of of not only Americans but. Uh, Immigrants that make that dangerous track and die in a lot of cases trying to get to the U.S. Uh, by crossing illegally. I even saw some videos of uh, people in Mexico on the border hurling rocks at Border Patrol agents after attempting to uh, cross the border illegally. The video shows them literally hurling rocks at these Border Patrol agents. It's sickening. Absolutely sickening. And the Democrats just close their eyes and pretend that it's not happening. Even one Border Patrol wife, uh, a wife of a Texas based Border Patrol agent, she's invited Nancy Pelosi to visit the border to see for herself why walls are so important. She wrote uh, a letter and said this to Pelosi We would like to show you around. You don't need to bring any security detail. Our husbands and significant others are actually very good at their jobs, Thanks, good, thank goodness. We would also appreciate if you'd stop pretending that you care about federal workers. If you did, you would care for their safety, not just their paychecks. We can hold out a while longer if it means our husbands and communities are safer. Dead on. Dead on own cousin dead on. <laughs> they don't care. That's the bottom line. Here's the thing, man. It is so dangerous. I, somebody sent me a video. One of the most disturbing videos I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of disturbing things. Of Mexican cartel members Chopping up a naked guy on the ground. A guy that uh, obviously had crossed him the wrong way or or whatever. I don't know the backstory, but they are literally, with knives and machetes, chopping off this guy's limbs while he's alive. Taking those limbs and then beating him with it. I know that's graphic. Just listening to somebody talk about it is graphic. Much less seeing it. But these are sick, deranged individuals. And there is little that is stopping people like that. People like the ones in those videos from coming across this border and doing that to Americans. Doing it to a Border Patrol agent. So tell me again how Democrats care about the American people or care about federal workers. Because guess what? When a cartel member comes to kill you, you don't care if you're a federal worker or not. He's going to chop you up anyway. That's it for today's podcast. You guys stay warm. Also, if you are in the southeast, in the state of Alabama, uh, be safe as the temperatures drop. If the roads are wet, you'll be slipping and sliding, and we don't want you to crash a car, get stranded, or nothing like that. So even though we ain't got no snow, be watching out for the ice, the black ice, baby. Overthelineshow.com, don't forget to go sign up for the newsletter. We got a lot of exciting things coming your way until tomorrow. See you cuz.